Hi, welcome to Leadership in Lattes. I'm Trisha Ryan, and I'm here virtually with my co-hosts, Danielle Lord and Crystal Roberts. We're happy that you joined us today. Today, we're talking about leadership and happiness. But before we jump in, Danielle, how was your weekend so far? Weekend so far, really good. It's really nice, relaxing, fun. A little bit of work thrown in. Yeah, all good. All good. Great. Cool. I'm just trying to keep my, my yard um, alive uh, and, and not being eaten by the deer, the doe. I've named, we've nicknamed her Daisy. Came home from some a little outing yesterday and she's out there just laying around in the yard. <laughs> okay, I feel like we have a new pet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So besides the deer and the crazy hot weather and two more 100 degree days to look forward to, and I say that very sarcastically, uh, later this week, uh, yeah, you know, just trying to keep my yard uh, <laughs> alive and healthy. <laughs> I was wondering about your dirt pile. I'm concerned about your dirt pile because it's My dirt pile to... hasn't moved much. Yeah, I did, <laughs> I did get some dirt moved today, but, you know, it's been so hot. It's like I can't move dirt up a hill in this heat. So, yeah, unfortunately. And the, the doe, Daisy, as I've named her now, it's short for dastardly. Uh, <laughs> Daisy has not been willing, shown any willingness to help with the dirt pile. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, that's so okay. funny. So my car is still blocked in the dry in the garage. Yeah, you know, it's oh, great. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Well, my weekend, yeah, my weekend, thanks for asking, Trisha. Um is has been a good weekend. Um uh, very kind of quiet and uh we're we've been able to get a lot of things done. So around the house and um so I'm feeling like uh it's been a good good weekend of just, you know, checking off things on the to-do list. So that feels good. I always love that. Yeah. How about you, Trisha? How was your weekend? I always love that. My weekend was great. I had, um, I finally got some of the renovation stuff done and, um, I can now stay at home and not worry about the next knock on the door with, you know, tools in hand. So that's kind of good. But um, I enjoyed this rain we've had. We've had a little bit of rain this weekend and my deer have loved it. They were rolling on the grass this morning. So I think it was obviously um, pretty welcome for them. Um, I'm kind of wishing it had stayed cool and rainy, but that's okay. Uh -huh. we'll get um, so today is kind of warm right now. It's kind of muggy, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm very drinking, muggy. I'm drinking a, a zero calorie soda um so wherever you are why don't you grab a cup or a soda and let's talk about leadership and happiness <laughs> so this is an interesting topic um and not one that's really that new but interestingly enough nobody ever seems to talk about it and we don't hear about it until something major has happened right so what what um i know Crystal, you, you uh, turned us on to an article. Why don't you start us off a little bit while I turn down my gravy? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I found a couple of really interesting articles. And I think what you were just saying there, Trisha, about we don't really think about this too much until it kind of jumps jumps in our 
face. And that's part of, I think, what we have to think about regarding leadership and happiness is that this is something that's important all the time. And sometimes I think we get really mired in the day to day and we forget about doing things that help us be happy. And so I, th- I think this today's topic is really important to think about um, given, you know, it's important anytime, but we're in the middle of uh, still in the middle of COVID and this has been a really long, long, um, a long haul for, for us. And I think um, if we're not careful, we kind of do slip out of that happiness. And so thinking about how we as leaders can help lift up our employees and can lift up our teams, which lifts up our organizations so that we continue to be high performing, um, that it's just a really important thing. And I think there's a lot of different pieces of this and a lot mm-hmm. of different people have re- have written about this. And so I think we're going to unpack a few of these things, but I, uh, as topics have been in the past, I think this is one we could do many, many series on. So, um, I think we'll scratch the surface today um, and have a good conversation, mm-hmm. but knowing that there's a lot more depth out there and maybe we'll revisit it again. Cause I think it's a really important topic, especially in these times. Yeah. Yeah, I would add to that. You know, I was super excited when we talked about this and agreed upon this topic. And, I, you know, the, my initial thought was, yay, I can't wait to talk about this. And then you start to think about it in the perspective of um, psychology and mental health and neuroscience and emotional intelligence and the quantum <laughs> um, aspects of yep. who we are as individuals. And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's <laughs> a big don't topic. One, one time visiting this is, yeah, is going to do it for yeah. us. So <laughs> yeah, even how you define that. happiness, right? There's like, there's yeah. lots of different definitions right? about that, around that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's such a personal thing, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, from, from the perspective of qualitative research, which is where my research focus has always been, that is getting, associating your interpretation of a word with somebody else's interpretation of a word is where we usually get hung up in the area of qualitative research because we assume that everyone kind of has the same definition around um, it, right? And and our definitions vary um, as, as much uh, as our personalities and our own perspectives. So I think, yeah, kind of identifying what that means um, is, is even a good starting point. Yeah, and for me also, this came up um, working with a client a few weeks ago and they were, they were, not expressing it as happiness, but they were expressing it as empathy, that they were struggling with how to continue to have empathy. And I Mm. thought, yeah, that's really true. You know, this is a really tough time. There's a lot that we're asking our leaders to do right now. Um, and, and this question about, are you a better leader if you're happy? I thought that was a really interesting question. And there's, there's, you know, the research is really clear that if you um, approach it from a position of happiness, if you're, if you come to leadership as a happy person, I guess, um, Mm -hmm. you're going to be more effective. The research shows that. So if you're an, tend to be an unhappy person, you won't be um, a good leader. And that seems sort of obvious, but I thought, well, it's nice to know that that's backed up by research. 
Yeah, there's, mm, yeah, for sure. When I was reading through it, I was thinking about some of the keywords that keep coming up with people who are happy. Um, usually, there's um, they live in gratitude in, in a lot of ways, and so of course, um, leaders who live in gratitude generally, I think, get more from their, the people that work with them. They tend to um, not be as critical. They tend to look at um, look at things in a tough way, but they look at it from a perspective of, you know, how can we, how can we make this right? It's always, it's not, it's not what are you doing wrong? And so, you know, to me, it's a twist on words, like you were talking about, Danielle, just different interpretations of things. But I see sometimes leaders who are not happy, and those are the kinds of words that come out. It's like, what are you doing? You know, what did you not do right? You know, my people, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and those kinds of words are words that, that can tell um, a workforce that, you know, they're either not appreciated and, and then they act in kind, right? So. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, happiness begets happiness and, and frustration and anger, shame, guilt, fear, whatever, uh, th those beget the same kinds of behaviors, right? It's, it's we, we are attract to the vibration that we, that went off. Mm -hmm. It's your point of reference, right? Yeah. That's what so that. That's what you see. You know? So true. Yeah. I think, um, and from a business perspective too, I thought the, this, um, article, uh, the, from the journal of values-based leadership, um, by uh, Charles Millick, values-based leadership and happiness, enlightened leadership improves their return on people, making this um, statement that many people may recognize already, but that human capital, intangible assets include employee knowledge, customer relationships, patents, and trademarks represent approximately 75% of the market valuation of the S&P 500 company companies versus the tangible assets of property, plant, and equipment. Um, so this human capital is a heavily weighted asset. And I thought that was really, you know, that, that gets to the, like the bottom line piece of this. And of course we know that happiness. And as we were just talking about um, the showing up as, as a happy person um, and that makes you a more effective leader also um, impacts employee engagement. Mm -hmm. And we know that employee engagement as well, mm -hmm. higher employees have, who have higher levels of employee engagement are more productive and, um, make more contributions to the organization. So all, all of this is very intertwined with companies being able to be successful. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, I've spent a fair amount of time, you know, combing the the internet as I always do whenever we talk about a topic. Um, but I was surprised to see so much that was recent about happiness and leadership. I was also, you know, wondering for those things that have, you know, those those books that have been out about leadership and happiness for twenty or twenty five years. Um, why? If those were the hot topic at a time, at the time, why they didn't 
take traction or get some traction like some of the other things that we've seen bestseller books do, you know? Um, you know, when you're talking about results-based leadership, then everybody gets on board with results-based leadership and they're working on that. But when you talk about happiness in leadership, it's kind of, it's almost as if people shy away from that. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's true or if it just wasn't a strong enough spell. I don't know. Well, I, th I think as, as you know, I kind of reflect on that, um, Trisha, I think there's a, a lot of different variables that play into that, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, we're still coming into this kind of space of leadership, right, and what it means to be leading versus managing, and that whole, it's not my job to make you happy or keep you happy or make sure you're happy is a very old management paradigm in and of itself, and so book, anything that might have come out, you know, even beyond, even 20 years ago, that might have been really revolutionary, right, where it's, yeah. whoa, happy but <laughs> I think it also speaks to um, the the fact that you know even 20 years ago even today we still have a lot of male dominated organizations and I think you know when I think about male dominated organizations and, and this is no judgment on anyone or anything but I think there's this kind of sense within organizations that I have to come and I have to be the, you know, the big boss man and, and, you know, this is how it's going to be done. And, you know, again, don't let any of that emotional stuff get in the way of doing the work that we need to do. And I, I think back just even 10 years ago, 12 years ago to a CEO that I was reporting to. And he was like, Hey, if people are burnt out, that's not my problem. And you know, we, we went round and round and round and it's just like, yeah, it's just, you know, they just need to get over it and come to work and, and do their job and, um, and, and be done with it. So, yeah, I think we're still kind of coming into getting okay with this as a concept within organizations. And, and hopefully we see that shift as we, you know, take on and recognize the importance of leadership over management, maybe see more women in the workplace, have more engagement related topics, and maybe someone will look at this at some point and go, hey, there is something to this. <laughs> maybe I should start paying attention to this. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because I, I think about, I, I go back to a Tom Peters book that came out in the 80s, and Tom was um, recounting a business in New England. It was a sausage making company, and the leader of the, it was on a very large company, but the leader was not getting results he wanted. And he was not seeing that his employees were happy enough to want to stick around. And he really wanted them to like where they worked because it wasn't like he had a, a lot of people standing at the door trying to get a job, right? And so he decided to make them all shareholders. <laughs> and they became shareholders and, um, they started getting to have some say in making decisions. He became a much happier person because it took a lot of weight off his shoulders. And, and that was really the point that Tom Pierce was trying to get to. It wasn't that everybody should go out and make everybody that works for you their shareholders, but that this person was trying to find a way that would make people happy. And he had talked to them and that was something they, they wanted was a little more stock in their work, a little more say. And that was the way he did it. So I think, you know, that's back in the 80s. So, you know, that it's, I've seen it every, every decade that I've been working, there's been something like that. 
And, and I don't think it should take a pandemic, but we really have a lot stacked against us, against us right now that's, I think, forcing, in some cases, people to look at how can I be happy because right now I'm as miserable as I can be, right? And, you know, if it's not bad, it's global warming or some kind of environmental issue. There's, you know, there's just a lot going on. And um, I think people are just kind of right now trying to figure out what is it that I can hold on to that'll keep me coming to work, keep me happy in my job and um, make people around me, you know, want to be here too, especially with all this hybrid stuff we're doing with them. Yeah, I think, I think you're so right, Trisha. Um, and I, I love that you brought it into kind of what we're sort of headed into right now with the hybrid. Um, and I, you know, no, no answers yet that we have on this, but it's certainly a huge concern um, is how, how do we, how do we continue to, as practitioners in this field, how do we continue to help organizations see the importance of happy employees and engaged employees yeah. when there's less and less investment on both sides? There's less investment of organizations in people, I think, as um, potentially anyway. We may see that as they, as we know, this turnover piece is coming. Um, and if there's, I just am concerned about losing the connection. How are we keeping those, those ties yeah. strong, um, for companies engaged in employees and employees engaged in companies. We have now companies or new employees, people have been hired in the last 18 months that, um, have never been inside yeah. the building, never actually yeah. met their team, their bosses, um, and what are the long-term impacts of that? I think we don't know yet. Yeah. So yeah, never connected with, never yeah. connected with any of their team members. Yeah, I um I, I really appreciate it. Um, a gal that I work with um in in my current day-to-day -day work, and she said that her team, uh, and she's uh, she's an in uh, an informal leader, so an influencer, not uh, in a formal role, but she said within her team there. Uh, team uh, director has made a decision that it's all or nothing. We're all together or we're all um, in a hybrid space. Um, and that's not necessarily a day-to-day -day operations, but more like when they have a team retreat or a team meeting or a team event um, because of that very fact that the people that are together are going to continue to foster and build on the connections that they already have or make new ones. And the people that are left in the hybrid space are just kind of sitting there, <laughs> you know, kind of looking at the screen, feeling like the, the, the unwanted cousin at the family reunion. So I, I really appreciate the approach that they've taken to say, you know, it's, it's, we're all in this together or we're all, you know, kind of sitting in, um, in front of our computers looking in this virtual space together to avoid that very thing of the kind of the haves and the have-nots and um, because that, that those human connections do impact our happiness yeah yeah and our feeling of belonging um mm, to, yeah. to the group and we think about um sort of the brain science behind that and how you can get off kilter on that pretty pretty fast um, pretty quickly. yeah and that that sort of starts that fear um you were talking about that danielle um and some of those negative emotions which makes it difficult to be creative and strategic and all those things. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. not only just leaves you feeling bad, you actually, the work product is worse. Yeah. 
Well, and yeah, and you know, I was listening to an interview um, a couple of days ago, and he, in this interviewee, was talking about the the brain science and um, the the adrenaline that comes from something like that, and then the immediate, which is the oh my gosh, something's not right, and then the the massive amount of dopamine that gets pumped into the body, which triggers the fight or flight response. And what was interesting, and in that what I learned is it takes about five to ten days to mm. get detoxify that dopamine release and that entire time you're in that um uh that adrenalized state you're still making or not making good decisions so Mm. you're still not functioning in that frontal cortex where we say is the executive decision making center so five to ten days and imagine now somebody who's getting that constant adrenal rush and that constant flood of dopamine in the system and they're constantly again we've talked about this right constantly working in that state and that can even come just from not taking the time to just go I need need a few days to to kind of get over this yeah totally makes me think about um some of the leaders that I know who spend probably 75 percent of their time at work letting the voices in their head just determine what to do and it, it becomes a, a moment of fear, I think. They're just acting out of fear because they're letting all of that stuff drive them. And uh-huh. you know, when we're talking about happiness and leadership, I think a lot of it is that if we were to get out of our heads for a little while and just say, you know, let's just put this in the back burner or, or just throw it off the back of the stove, you know, and see what happens. Let's throw caution to the wind because um, it's that fear that totally drives sometimes really like to your point Danielle some really wonky decisions that <laughs> and I wonder why they keep doing it and perhaps that's the reason maybe it is that they're in mm. a state of yeah. overdose for long enough but it what it does I've noticed is it actually causes peers and stakeholders around them to sort of back away you know, you can do it once or twice and people will think that it's an incident and they may come in with all sorts of compassion to help you. But when you continually do it, people start to back away because they see that there's nothing they can do to help and you're not going to change if they try, right? You haven't yet. So I think about that when I'm thinking about happiness and leadership because I think it's just, you know, if, if you were to just let go and not feel so strongly about what you think is an expectation but may not have been articulated as one you know so yeah i think that's great trisha um and i you kind of started us down that path of um what can leaders what can leaders do so if you find yourself um and and anyone who says that they haven't experienced unhappiness you know you're just not telling the truth right i mean <laughs> we don't all run around being happy all the time <laughs> so um what you know what happens um when we are feeling unhappy as a leader and i think one of the really interesting things um about think thinking about this is that you got to start at the core So um, taking some time to reflect as we're talking about, sometimes we're so busy, we don't, we don't take time to really feel our feelings. So really understanding when are you happy and then what brings you happiness? So starting from the core of what are my values? 
So a lot of times we haven't taken the time to really identify those. We have some sort of kind of amorphous idea of what those might be, but articulating what those values are is, the, is a really great way to start to say, how can I be more happy is to say, what makes me happy? And starting there with the values. Trisha, you're, you're um, yeah. doing a lot, I know, in this area with your coaching. Um, what would you say about that? I think it's, um, it's so critical. I'm really glad you mentioned it because I think we often don't realize that we may not be living our values. We've, you know, we may be trying to follow values that we think our company has without actually understanding what it means to live that value. And what I find often is when people really do identify what their values are and what that means to them, how it, how what the actions are that tell them they're living them, they stop for a minute, at least one, I actually have a person I'm coaching right now who did this and he's, he's stopped and he's now, when he makes a decision, before he makes a decision, he, he asks himself, is this in alignment with the way I believe in whatever the value is? And I think that um, that seems like it's one extra step, but until you get good at it, until it becomes a habit, actually consciously asking yourself that is really important because if you don't do it, you're not gonna make it into a habit. It's not gonna be something that you do. I know for myself, when I don't live my values, I feel it in my gut. And you know, I am, I just, I don't feel right until I make it right. And so I think that we may have leaders who, you know, they're close. They may not be able to put their finger on exactly what's not making them happy. But I think to your point, if they were to visit that, if they were to visit their values first and look at it because your values are your foundation and that's what everything else is built upon. So if you look at your values and you can see that you're living them or you're not, if you're living them, then hopefully you are happy. Hopefully you're living the life that you want to live. But if you aren't, what is, what is keeping you from doing that? What's standing in the way? Yeah, great. Thanks for that. Um, one of the articles I was reading uh, was a Forbes article, uh, 2019 by Rajiv Peshwani. And, um, one of the things that, um, that one of the points that he made, I thought that was really good. And it's again, sort of, um, punching the values piece here is that the question is, um, are the best, do the best leaders put others' interests ahead of their own? Um, and, and are you happy as a result of that, of putting others' interests ahead of your own? And what he was saying in this article is that actually, no, um, you're not happy. Most people are not happy. The research shows if you are actually putting others' interests truly ahead of your own. And Mm. Um, and that gets to that values piece. So if you understand what makes you happy and you design a life around that, you understand what your purpose is and you pursuing that, you understand that you have choices that you can choose different paths. So while you, you might uh, say my value actually is about, um, my work because I'm actually doing something now that I'm really passionate about. So maybe I am working long hours and somebody looking at that might say, oh, you're sacrificing, but you've done the work to identify that this is actually a choice and this is fulfilling you and you are happy. Mm. 
Um, And so it isn't really putting someone else's happiness above yours. It's that you're on the right path. And I thought that was really interesting and something to really reflect on. Yeah, I, I, go ahead, Trisha. No, I was going to say, I was, I, I really like that because I think we, we get ourselves on a path that isn't true to who we are and we end up doing work that doesn't fulfill us. And I think that naturally leads to being unhappy. You know, I look at a lot of professions where they've gone into the profession because of money or, um, you know, whatever, whatever it was that drove them to the profession, but it wasn't necessarily what they were called to do. Yeah. And and you have to be called to that. And when you're called to something, I think you're just naturally happy. Um, But I was thinking too, when I was listening to um, what Trisha was saying about, you know, what are some practical things that we can do? And was out pulling weeds earlier this morning, I was, you know, thinking of reflecting on this topic and I was thinking about values and how our values show up of course some of our favorite um, uh, leadership scholars always say you have to live a have a, a, a leadership life that's rooted in values right and maybe it comes back to the organization and maybe it's part of and part of the interview process to ask candidates what are your values to see right then and there and we know values alignment um, is one of the biggest drivers to um, uh, not only engagement but to um, affective organizational commitment that means I'm committed at heart level right yeah. so asking people what are your values and if you are an organization that really is seated well on your values and maybe one of your values is having a happiness in your workplace and you interview someone who says well my one of my values is getting the work done (laughs) and and I don't care how the work gets done right there that should be kind of a big red flag that gosh maybe this isn't the person that we need within this organization because their focus is going to be disparate from what it is that we say we want culturally so maybe you know it gets to that level of of getting people to identify some of those some of their values right there and then because they are to Trisha's point we see behavior show up when people's values are encroached upon you know it it shows up and um so you're going to act out on that cognitive dissonance that you're experiencing so it makes me think though that you were talking about how um interviewers should ask people about their values or else you know tell them the company's values i'm wondering if they should in addition write values-based interview questions so that they could draw Mm. it down because then you're talking, yeah, about, yeah. you know, we do behavioral-based interviewing questions for most yeah. of And the reality is that a lot of it is a person being able to tell their story. And sometimes yeah. that story is real and sometimes it's not. The other thing is a lot, yeah. of things, a lot of the things we hire people for are things that we could teach them. And so if we really hire them for their value or for, you know, their ability to live their values within our walls, um, then we can teach them what they need to know in terms of their job, you know, then absolutely a solid employee. Absolutely. And, and Trisha, you and I know coming from an organization that was very values driven, uh, those values based values, comma, behavioral based interview questions can indeed uh, be written. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think going down even maybe one more step 
of depth here is thinking about, um, again, that it comes from within, that it's not, not extrinsic, that, that the extrinsic rewards only go so far. So um, just as you were saying, Danielle, about the, um, if it's money or power or anything like that, that's not going to sustain over time, as well as what's in the present. Like it's kind of, it's a mindset, right? It's like focusing mm. on what do you have, choosing to take a positive um, perspective. It's not about, um, I'll be happy when I make a certain amount of money. I'll be yeah. happy when yeah. I get that position. I'll be yeah. happy when. And it's like, how can I be happy now? What can yeah. I do now yeah. to be happy? And while I know yeah. I'm still yeah. striving, I have things I want to accomplish. I, I want to be happy now. And so what can I do now to have that mindset? That's um, be- yeah. A lot of people though, because we've got leaders who, who have been brought up in leadership, believing that, you know, you make your people happy, you do, you know, you, you do the right thing for them, you try to be equitable, you know, yes, we do want that, but they, they neglect their own feelings in the process, and so it is a flip flop, I think, for some of them, it's going to be a tough one. I like how Sean Aker describes it. Happiness is not the belief that everything is great. Happiness is the belief that change is possible so it's it's the it's the hope aspect um the joy that one feels striving for one's potential i thought that that was really great so it's not not saying we won't be happy right now we should be happy right now but also um it's the hope of possibility always having um keeping that in the forefront that's great so just one other thing um, I wanted to mention about um, also as we sort of look through some of these things about happiness and as leaders think about what can can they do to, to help um, themselves be happy and others be happy. And this actually comes from, um, I thought it was interesting. There's actually a, a whole um, course at Harvard on leadership and happiness. <laughs> And by Arthur Brooks is the professor. And um, he had a, it's, you know, you can Google it. Um, He had an interview um, for his class with the Dalai Lama. And one of the really big takeaways for me from that was that it it is about service. So that's part of the happiness piece. So while we can do things to make ourselves happy. Part of that is giving it away. Part of it is doing it on behalf of others to lift other people up. And that is, that is what true happiness is. And I, I just, I thought that was such a great reminder that, um, and I personally was sort of struggling with this a while back, especially during the pandemic and we were all isolated. It felt very, um, like I was trying to do my meditation and do my gratitude journal and doing all these things to keep my happiness levels up. Um, and it felt kind of empty. And I think part of that was the fact that it felt like we didn't have as many opportunities to really do these things in service to others, um, that sort of connection point. And so um, uh, that, that was a really good reminder to me that to make sure that we're reaching out and thinking about how does this once we sort of take care of our needs so that we can be happy, how are we lifting others up? 
<clears throat> I'm going to turn the takeaway summary and the closing over to someone else because I'm losing my voice. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. So, um, Danielle, I'm going to start with you as we think about closing this out. How about from the <laughs> professor perspective? Yeah. So from my, oh gosh, so I was thinking if I were standing up and giving closing comments in front of a class, I would say, you know, for me, it really comes down to the research around emotional intelligence um, and ethics. And um, we know that leaders who have high emotional intelligence generally tend to be more successful, whether that's in their role, whether it's in the organization, whether it is about making more money, um, we know that uh, that's where the success comes from. And that comes in the ability to be able to maintain your own emotions in a particular situation, um, be it good or bad. It it comes down to being able to read the room uh, and um, uh, make corrections where necessary to get things back on track from that healthy uh, organizational dynamic perspective. Uh, and we also know that leaders have the capacity to change the weather, right? Meaning that I can change the mood of the room and uh, extending even beyond changing the mood of the room, um, leaders can through their behavior and poor emotional or good emotional intelligence change your neural pathways meaning that um, people who follow you will adapt their behavior accordingly whether that's good or bad through what they call mirror neurons and you can't say that fast <laughs> mirror <laughs> neurons <laughs> so that's kind of looking at it from that uh, eq or emotional intelligence lens the other piece i would add to that is just that ethics piece that um if you mm -hmm. know if if you are and some people, you know, we talked about the, the, the adrenal load, right, the, um, um, the dopamine that comes. Um, some people get a real charge out of um, making other people unhappy or miserable or in fear. And so if that's, um, if that's what's driving you, I would say really look in the mirror and ask yourself if being in a leadership position is um, appropriate um, or where you want to be because that's a very unhealthy perspective but you're also keeping people in that um, adrenalized state if you will for those five to ten days that we talked about and how is that impacting the organization the team how, how are they taking that back into their family life and what is that doing to society overall so emotional intelligence ethics I think are two things that we haven't spent enough time talking about when it comes to leadership yeah so, so great let's note those down <laughs> for the for one of our <laughs> One of our next uh, <laughs> future topics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. So well said. Um, yeah, and, and sort of the jumping off point there for me. Um, so I was thinking about what you were saying. I was like, oh, it's such a great transition into what I was thinking about, which is, you know, this is really a great example of where something is good for me and it's good for you as a, you know, as a, as a, um, team, as an organization, like your happiness, you actually, when you are happy, you are a better leader. So it is a benefit to you and a benefit to 
your your team and it's a benefit to the organization so it's a win-win-win um so it's important to take the time so from a heart perspective um important to take the time to pay attention to that um and and to take the time to be happy to recognize what you know take the time to know what your values are listen to when as Trisha would say your gut is telling you Mm. um that you're not living your values um and make make a choice rather than a sacrifice take a choice for a new path so that you can be happy um, and Trisha, I know you're, you would, you would take the impact. And so I kind of wrapped up with that impact, which is the impact is a higher performing organization. So happiness yeah. has a yeah. direct impact on the success of the organization. So it's that impact, um, to the individual and impact to the organization. As Danielle said, let's even think beyond that. What, what are we doing to say society? So what is our responsibility to yeah, them? So yeah. it, it, it impacts society, people going home to their families um, and, and to the world, how we see the world and how we solve the problems of the world. So uh, boy, we went to, from individual to world peace, <laughs> <laughs> but you got to have hope, right? You have We're to have not overachievers at all. <laughs> All right. That's what happens. That's what happens, Trisha, when you lose your voice. And I'm so sorry you lost your voice. So I will do our, our <laughs> well, quick formal. I'd, oh, I'd add to that. I'd, oh, yeah, I'd add to that impact, the physical um, elements of what, uh, yes. you know, when you walk into that doom and gloom, it's like, oh, I pull up to the parking lot. It's like, oh, I just want to crawl back in my backseat and curl up in a ball and, and puke before I get out of the car because oh. you know what you're walking into. Yeah. And so even just that physical impact um, and, and what that does to the human spirit through that physical aspect of it. Yeah. 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 Well, and also when you were talking about all of the, the, um, the hormones that are going on uh, when you're in that negative situation, you know, and you have the cortisol too. So it, you're having mm-hmm, a negative mm-hmm. physical impact on yeah. the body too. So those are long-term, um, long-term yeah. bad impacts on the body. So, yeah, great. So um, in closing, I want to remind our audience to send their questions about leadership and leading in these unprecedented times, and we will try and answer them on air in the upcoming podcasts and questions to leadership and lattes. That's A-N-D lattes at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about us or the show, please go to the pinnaclecc.com. That's the pinnaclecc.com. Technical support is through RE Chance Roberts. Lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Um, just to give a little um, teaser here, uh, we have a really wonderful guest joining us later um, this month. So I'm not going to reveal who that is, but we're really excited for her to join us. And she'll be talking about um, transition and creativity and risk and, um, and happiness. So we're, we're excited to have her join us. And that'll be on our next podcast. Um, please share with other leaders like yourself that you think would benefit from this podcast. Thank you, Danielle and Trisha, for co-hosting with me. And Trisha, I hope you feel better soon. And yes, yes. Yeah, and we look forward to our next podcast. Thanks to our audience for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care.